Father, in your presence, we come, dear sir, to praise and to worship you. We say this is a day that you have made, and we adore and magnify the name of Jesus. He's so grateful to have Jesus in our lives. Thank you. He's our Savior, our Lord. Thank you for the precious Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you rise up big within me now, that you'll think through my mind and speak through my lips of clay. And I declare I'm a servant and I'm ambassador for you, Jesus. And I thank you that I'll speak your word boldly, fearlessly, accurately, carried by the wind of the Spirit. I thank you fear will be dispelled, but faith will rise up in your people today. And we at Christian Family Church, we're not only hearers of the word, but we doers of the word, and therefore we have good success in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Say hi to somebody and welcome all those watching online. It's good to have you. Glory to God. It's a good day. It's a good year. Okay, family, as we stand. As we stand on the threshold of a new year, what does 2024 look like? I believe it holds a promise of fresh beginnings and new opportunities and exciting adventures ahead of us. But with each new year comes opportunity and the chance to set new goals. How many of us always set new goals, right? We make positive changes. We learn from our mistakes of the past, but we embrace the adventures that God has for us in the future. Well, do you know, according to the Hebrew calendar, the number for this decade is 5780, which means the decade of declaration, the decade of speaking, the decade of declaring. Now, according to the Hebrew calendar, the number for this particular year is 5784, which is the year of the open door. And the title of my message is the year of the open door. Glory to God. How many of us are believing for open doors? Yes, hallelujah. So let us see how this applies to us today. First, we're going to talk about the decade, and then we'll talk about this year. So the Hebrew decade is so important because it's a decade of declaration, and we are still in it. So what we declare, what we speak, what we say over our families, over ourselves, over our work, over our nation, over our church, over our finances, over our health, is so key to either having victory in our lives or having defeat in our lives. It's all up to us. In fact, our declarations will help us receive the inheritance and the promises that the Lord has already given us. Let's have a look at Joshua 1.8. It says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do. Now, what is to do? It's a doing word. It's a verb. We've got to do it. We've got to act on the word. And then when we do, according to what's in written in the word, the Bible says you'll make your own way prosperous and you'll have good success. How many of us are going to have good success this year? We're going to do it because we're going to hear the word and do the word. So here we see that Joshua was implemented to do nonstop speaking. He had to speak nonstop. Like many of us women, we already know how to speak nonstop. But now we got to speak the word, right? And so as we speak the word of God, we will possess the promises that God has already given us. So God told Joshua that the word should not depart out of his mouth. And then Joshua would make his own way prosperous and his own way he would have good success. So let's determine that 2024, we're going to discipline ourselves to speak correctly and positively over ourselves. We're not going to say we're dumb, we're stupid, we're ugly. We're fat. No. We're going to say we're fit, we're strong, we're healthy. 
We're going to say our children are clever. We're going to say our husband is the most amazing man in the whole world. We're going to say our wife is a gift from God. She fell out of heaven. She must be an angel. We're going to say good things about our finances. We're going to say we are prospering. We are healthy. We're well. Uh, we are, all our bills are paid in Jesus' name. We're not going to say the economy sucks. We're not going to say that the, the, the whoever's in power is a, an honor, although that could be. It could be. We're not going to say the world has gone to pot, although it has. We're not going to say any of that. We are going to say we are prosperous. We are healthy. We are going above and beyond. We're going to have a great year. Hallelujah. We're going to speak life over our lives because Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those that love it will eat its fruit. So our tongue is a power to release God's life into our lives and our situations and he'll be able to turn them all around. And so it's up to us. Do you know that we are today what we spoke about ourselves yesterday? We are today what we said about ourselves yesterday. So let's go now into uh, this year. The Hebrew number four, it means the let, which means the open door. So before we can go through the open door uh, that God has for us supernaturally, let us be mindful to close any doors that will hinder our blessings, doors of bitterness, unforgiveness, uh, doors of envy, jealousy, strife, division, anything that would hinder us. It's not worth it. It's not worth it, family. We're going to have successful lives. It's not worth hanging on to baggage. Let's kick that baggage out the way and let's go forward into the open doors that God has for us. In, 2020, in 2012, Pastor Jenny from South Africa had a dream in which God revealed to her that CFCI is one of the churches is one of the Philadelphia churches as seen in Revelations 3.7. So let's read that. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right? So there was a church in Philadelphia. These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David. He who opens and no one shuts, and he who shuts and no one opens. I know your work. See, I've set before you an open door. And no one can shut it. There's a door that no one can shut. No man can shut. And you have little strength, but you've kept my word. Notice that. In verse 8, he says, you've kept my word. You've not denied my name. And because you've kept my commandment to persevere, I will also keep you from the hour of trial, which will come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I'm coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have so no man can take your crown. So what God was saying is that we are like this church of Philadelphia in character and deed and in nature. So I decided I'm going to do a bit of a, a dive, a steep dive study into the church of Philadelphia and see what it was like. So the city of Philadelphia was founded in 159 BC and it was known for its temples, beautiful temples, beautiful vineyards, cultural festivals. I guess it was like the old California. Just think of the rolling hills, all the wine farms, the, uh, the vineyards. It was just like that. It was beautiful. It was green, all the cultural festivals and uh, beautiful buildings. And it was actually, uh, Philadelphia was nicknamed the Little Athens. It was a built as a showcase for the Greek culture. It was one of the most powerful and richest cities in the ancient world. But something happened in AD 17. There was a very powerful earthquake in the city. And all the beautiful elaborate buildings uh, came tumbling 
tumbling down because of that earthquake. It was unsafe to go into any structure. An additional problem was that the earthquake aftershocks continued for months. So now all these people that were living in the city had to go and live outside the city walls or outside the borders. But in the ancient days, actually much like today, who lives beyond the borders? The bandits, the thieves, the MS6 or whatever their names are, the invaders, the robbers, right? That all those bad dudes are behind the, the border walls. So thousands of people died in those days, killed by the invaders, the murderers, the thieves, the thugs. And there was, however, a small group of Christians that banded together and, and lived for Jesus. And in spite of the opposition, in spite of the hardships, in spite of the difficulties, this church had an impact on the community. And actually, it was called the Faithful Church. Remember in verse 8, it said they were a word church. How many of us know that this church is known as a word church, right? We speak the word. And in verse 10, it says they endure trials and perseveres. And we are the kind of church. No matter what comes against us, we are overcomers. We are going over. We're not going under. We are more than conquerors because greater is he that's in us and he that is in the world. So we are a word church and we act on the word of God, but also in Revelations 3.8, it says, and not denied my name. How many of us know that at this church, we will not deny the name of Jesus. We lift up the name of Jesus. In fact, we preach the name of Jesus. And here are some of Jesus's names. He is the Almighty, he is the Alpha and Omega. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He's a cornerstone. He's a deliverer. He's a door. He's a I am. He's Emmanuel. He's a king of kings, a king of ages. He is a king of Jews. <coughs> he's a lamb of God. He's a light of the world. He's a lion of the tribe of Judah. He's a Lord of glory. He is the Lord of lords. He's a Lord of righteousness. He's our Messiah. He's our mighty one. He's a morning star. He's a prince of life. And he is our Rose of Sharon. He's our Redeemer. He's the Son of God. He's our Savior. And his name is Jesus, the one we serve, the one we love. We bless the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen. Say hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. That's who we serve and that we adore. How many of us today are trusting God for supernatural open doors. I want to see your hands. I'm talking about super, I'm not talking about normal doors. I'm talking about supernatural doors. Let's wave your hand. No, the door that no man can shut. How many of us are believing increase the salary? I want to see if you're trusting God for more finances. Well, half of you, what the rest of you? Are you trusting just to be where you are, not me? My feet are up, my hands are up, my arms are up, my toes are up. I'm, I'm trusting the Lord for supernatural finances this year. How many of us are trusting the Lord that all our family members are going to get saved this year? Let's hear all that. Yeah, we need them to come to heaven. We need them to come to heaven with us. How many of us are going to be soul winners this year? Let me see your hand. I'm proud of you, soul winners. The, how many of us are believing for backsliders to come in? All those who are, yes, come on, all the backsliders. We call the backsliders in. How many of us are trusting God for our marriages to be restored? We're going to have the best marriages ever. You know, in the church, we've got to be the examples. We've got to love one another. We've got to cuddle. We've got to date. We've got to be kind to one another. We've got to talk nicely to each other. We've got to cook for each other. Or if you can't cook, just get reservations and do good reservations or, or whatever. But... <clears throat> 
This is a year of loving one another, building each other up, being an example for the world to see what a Christian marriage should look like. That means that wives, we submit to our husbands, and husbands, you love your wives as you, as you love Jesus Christ. So it's going to be a, a wonderful year for us. We're going to date, we're going to kiss, we're going to cuddle, and we're going to have the most best year. We're going to believe God, right? <laughs> it's a good year. How many of us are believing for new opportunities, business opportunities? And if you're believing for a husband, then you say, this is my year. Believe for a wife, this is my year. Believing for children, this is my year. We're going to speak it out. And then how many of us are believing for supernatural business opportunities? I want to see if you supernatural business opportunities coming my way while I'm putting my hands up. How many of us want to grow spiritually? We are not satisfied where we are. We're going to grow from glory to glory from strength to strength. We're going to be amazing this year. We're going to believe God for supernatural finances. You know, there's a wonderful scripture in the Bible that I love, and I walk, and I pray, and I talk to the Lord about it, and I often remind Him, and, and I, He has always proved Himself true when it comes to this. So if I look at Malachi 3.10, it's in the paraphrased version. It says this, bring as an act of your worship. So bring is actually obedience, correct? So if we obey God and bring as an act of your worship, the full amount of your tithe, the whole tenth of your tithe, and you have to bring it in the storehouse. You know, some people say, Pastor Bev, you know what I'll do with my tithe? I divide it up. I give her this charity, that charity, this good work, that missionary over there, and then maybe my family member is struggling. I'll give them that. No, that's what the Bible says. And then sometimes people say, well, you know, Pastor Bev, I give 8% because I, I can't give 10%. So I'll just make 7%, 8%, you know, uh, whatever, whatever. But you know what? I, it doesn't matter what your opinion is. It doesn't matter what my opinion is. When we stand before God, I've got so much fear of the Lord. I I do not want to argue with God. If God says to me, bring the whole tent, that means the whole tent. And it says, where it says, into the storehouse of local church. That's what the Bible says. My opinion doesn't count. Your opinion doesn't count. But when we stand before the word of God, we're getting judged by the word. So we can't argue. Excuse me, God, you made me, but you know what? This is what, he will just bring up the word and he'll just say that. And then what are we going to do? So no, but you know what's amazing? Because he says, if you do that, if you bring the whole tenth to the storehouse, but this is amazing. God is phenomenal, incredible, amazing, above and beyond. He is awesome. He says, test me, give me an opportunity to prove myself. How many of you would like to see God prove himself to you? And he's saying, test me, prove me, give me opportunity. He said, if you trust me with that 10% and you keep the 90, but trust me with the 10%, he said, I'm gonna open the windows of heaven for you. I'm gonna open up the floodgates of heaven. Families, this is not a door. This is the windows of heaven that are gonna be open for us. The floodgates are coming. This year's a year of the floodgates are coming. More than an open door because we are obedient and we're trusting him, glory to God. It's gonna be amazing. Yeah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So I'm, I'm trusting the tithes. The checks are going to get bigger and bigger because you're going to get more and more prosperous in Jesus' name. And finances are coming from the north, south, east, and west into your lives, into your businesses, but naturally because you're obedient and I'm obedient in Jesus' name. I'm convinced that this year is going to be a year of our breakthrough, a year of supernatural blessing, a year of increase, a year of miracles, a year of multiplication, not only in the spirit, but in the natural and a door to advancement in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. We agree. 
Let's have a look at Isaiah 22, 22. It says, the key of the house of David I will lay on his shoulder. So he shall open and no man shall shut, and he shall shut and no man shall open. So let's have a look at what is the key of David. We've been reading it. We hear about it. The key of the house of David, the key of David. So what is that key? What is the key that opens doors that no man can shut? Let's have a look at David. See, it's talking about David. Let's have a look at David as a man. The Bible says that David was a man after his own heart. We know that he started off as a shepherd boy in the fields, attending his father's sheep. But while he was out there, he was a worshiper. He was worshiping the Lord. Later, he became a warrior. We know that he became a fugitive. He ran away from Saul. He was trying to kill him. And then he eventually became a king. But one of the greatest things about David, he was a worshiper. He loved God. He loved the presence of God. Psalm 16, 11 says, in your presence there's fullness of joy. You know, someone said to me recently, uh, how can you be always happy? Why are you always happy? Well, you know what? The Bible says, in your presence there's fullness of joy. So if you're miserable, it's because you're not in the presence of God. If you're constantly depressed, it's because you're not in the presence of God. Because in the presence of God, there's fullness of joy. And honestly, the truth of matter is we don't really need counseling. We just need to read our Bible. Psalm 51 verse 4 says, Do not cast me from your presence. So at the time that David was crowned king, the Jebusites held the city of Jerusalem. They were nothing but criminals, thieves, rapists, uh, murderers. They stole the sheep, the goats, the cattle from the Israelites. They bragged. They hated David, and they bragged that they were, would um, capture uh, Jerusalem. But David defeated them, and he made Jerusalem his capital city. Well, the next act of business that David had to do was bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. Now, we know the Ark of the Covenant represents what family? It re represents the presence of God. The Ark of the Covenant represents the presence of God. And so God, uh, David wanted to build a house. We know that God said, no, uh, Solomon is going to build the house. So then David set up a tabernacle, a tent on Mount Sinai, Mount Zion, and he hired 2,000. Oh, my word. We are nearly not even there yet. We've got a couple. We need 2,000 musicians. And they sang and worshiped the Lord 24 hours a day. So there was constant praise and worship going up from Zion. So the worship of David was so far beyond anything that we see today. Many of the Psalms were written uh, in the presence of the Lord. Every morning, noon, and night, David would worship the Lord and acknowledge that Jehovah, he was Jehovah. Listen to some of the Psalms that David wrote. Psalm 9-2 says, I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Uh, Psalm 18, I love you, Lord. You're my strength. Look how he speaks. He says, the Lord is my rock. He's my fortress. He's my deliverer in whom I take refuge. Do you see the words he's confessing? You're my rock. You're my deliverer. He's not saying, oh, crumbs, I'm in a bad place and you're not going to deliver me. I'm just going to hide in a hole. No, he said, you are my deliverer. And then he said, you give me a shield of victory. He spoke positively. He spoke the word. You give me a shield of victory. That's how we got to speak. No matter what comes against us, thank you, Lord. You are my deliverer. You give me a shield of victory. Glory to God. 
He says, praise the Lord, you're my rock, exalted be the Lord, my Savior. Therefore, I will praise you among the nations. I will sing praise to your name. He gives his king great victories and shows unfailing kindness to his anointed. I love David. He called himself anointed. I'm anointed, Bev, and I have unfailing kindness shown to me because I walk in God's favor. And that's how we should speak about ourselves. And then he said, not only do you show me unfailing kindness, but you show my descendants unfailing kindness. So not uh, I. I'm blessed, my children are blessed, my children's children are blessed, all because I serve the Lord. You are blessed, your family is blessed, your children are blessed, your children's children are blessed, all because you serve the Lord, family. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So the key of David was worship. Say worship. Say worship. Worship. You see, family, worship opens a door that no man can shut. Everywhere he went, he was victorious. Everywhere he went, he was successful. The Bible says that when he was in the presence of the Lord, every door was open to him that no man can shut. I love David. In 1 Chronicles 18, we see all of his conquests. Let's look at how in verse uh, 2, he defeated Moab. In verse 3, he defeated the king of Zobah. In verse 5, when the Syrians of Damascus came to help the king of Zobah, David killed 22,000 of them. That's David. I'm sure I was born from the lineage of David. I wouldn't mind going out there. <laughs> In verse 6, it said, David, then the, the day they became David's servants. So the Lord gave David victory wherever he went. The Lord made him prosperous wherever he went. David was a wealthy man. David was a favored man. David had victory wherever he won. He was above and not beneath. He was victorious. He was more than a conqueror. God made his name great. Uh, all because, family, he was a worshiper. He loved to worship the Lord. So worshiping was the key to having doors of victory and success and opportunity opened to him. And God, David had so much favor because he was a worshiper. Now, you know, in the Bible, there was another place that uh, through praise and worship, doors were opened. In Acts 16, there's a story of a slave girl. She was possessed by a spirit. Remember, she had the spirit of divination. She could tell uh, people's fortunes. So, she, you know, people think, I'm just going to go to a fortune teller. It's going to be fun. No, it's not going to be fun. You're going to get a funny devil coming from her to you and then tell you the future. And then it could not be a good future. So you never go to a fortune teller. It's no fun going to a fortune teller. It's you're just getting a devil for free. You don't need a devil for free because it stays with you for a long time. And so Paul and Silas, they decided, you know what, we're going to cast the devil out of this girl. She's uh, talking a lot of trash to everyone. So they cast the devil out of her. Well, their own, her owners were so mad and furated because now their income was gone. Their cash cow was gone because she couldn't talk, tell the future anymore because the devil was gone. And so you know what the owners decided? We need to go to the magistrate and tell the magistrate and Paul and Silas, they're causing trouble in the city. We need to get them thrown into jail. So because they were doing the will of God, they got thrown into jail. Now, you know, Apostle Theo tells us about the, about the jail that Paul and Silas went in. He, he always tells it was cold. It was dark. It was miserable. It was wet. I can just imagine that the rats were running around and then their feet were in stocks. What are stocks? They had two pieces of wooden planks with holes in them. They put their feet inside them. Now, remember, their backs were beaten and they were bruised and they were bleeding and they were miserable. They 
they were suffering in pain and now their feet were in stocks. They couldn't get away. They were sitting on a bench maybe or on the floor. But the Bible tells us in the one commentary says they had to lie on their back and then the cement, cement was freezing cold. You know, the rats could be running around licking the blood. Who knows what they were doing? But it was disgusting on every level and they had severe beatings and sufferings. There was no room for escape. In the middle of their suffering, in the middle of their trials, what did they do? Oh, they complained, God, why? I'm doing the will of God. I'm witnessing out on the street. I'm casting out devils. I'm a soul winner. I'm an evangelist. I'm teaching the word out there, Lord. And look, now I'm doing your will. No, they were not whiners. They were not complainers. But they were worshipers. They started lifting up their hands. They couldn't lift up their feet because their feet went soft. But they lift up their hands and they said, glory to God. Hallelujah. We praise you, Lord. You are a deliverer. And they started worshiping the Lord. Oh, you know what happened when they started lifting up their hands in a dark time, when they started lifting up their hands when it was not comfortable, they started lifting up their hands when it was a challenging time, when they were going through a hard time, difficult time, they started praising the Lord, you know, there was a suddenly, there was a lot of shaking going on, shake, 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 and it wasn't their booty either, it was, a, it was God, He was shaking the very foundations of the situation, and then all the doors were opened, so not only were they, the door of freedom came open. The jailer said, oh my goodness, where are, where's everybody? I'm going to kill myself. And Paul said, don't, don't, don't kill yourself. We are all here. Don't worry about it. And that very day, the jailer and his whole household got saved and they had, were all baptized. So the door of freedom was open. The door of salvation was open. Oh, because they were worshiping the Lord and giving God praise. Oh, hallelujah, glory to God. I praise the Lord. I worship the Lord. Family, when we are in a dark time, when we begin to praise Him, when we begin to worship in the middle of our trials, in the middle of our storms, in the middle of our challenges, when we're going through a difficult time, when we begin to praise Him, then something is going to happen. There's going to be a lot of shaking and a rattling and a rolling, and God is going to change your situation around. We're going to say, thank you, Lord, for delivering me. Thank you, Lord, for putting my feet on solid ground. Thank you, Lord, for taking care of me. Thank you, Lord, for taking care of my family. We're going to worship Him into victory. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And everybody said, Amen. Woo, that was a good one. <laughs> I'll take a breath. More to come. <laughs> oh, it's like a steamroller. <laughs> Oh, my word. Okay, 1995. Apostle, Apostle Thea and I were at a minister's conference in Miami at Stan and Geraldine Moore's church. Kenneth Hagen was a speaker, Kenneth Hagen Sr. He stopped and he walked up to Apostle Thea in the middle of his sermon. He walked up to Apostle Theo and he said, one thing you lack. You're not worshiping God enough. Since then, Apostle Theo has made it his a conscious effort to increase his worship. But many times I've thought about what Kenneth Hagin said. He said, one thing you lack. And I've looked at my life and I want to take a pause here and I want us all to think, what is the one thing that we lack? If God spoke to us today and said, one thing you lack, what it would be? Are we not worshiping the Lord enough? Are we not soul winners? Are we discipling someone? Are we going to church? I don't know. 
I know in my life, I know all my things I lack, but I know that this year is going to be a good year and I'm going to get on the program and be better. Listen to the story I heard uh, many years ago. It'll bless you. How many of you remember Norval Hayes? Norval Hayes, remember? He's gone home to be with the Lord, but an amazing man. Norval Hayes had many businesses, and he also had condos in, in Hawaii. He used to go and stay there for, for months during the year. And one day, a man came to Norval Hayes and said, I really need counseling. Can you help me? He said, I've got three children. I haven't had a job for two years and I'm in $15,000 debt, and I've exhausted every angle for money. I haven't been able to get a job. I can't get a job. I've worked in the sugarcane fields in Hawaii, but big corporations come in, have taken over, and little people like me have lost their jobs, and I can't get uh, a job. He said, I've got big equipment, but it's just sitting out there, and I haven't turned a wheel in two years. And he said, uh, my, I feel bad because my children come to me and they ask me every day, Daddy, can you give me some lunch, lunch money so when I go to school today, I can buy some lunch with that money so I can eat with the other children. And I've got to tell them, I don't have any money. I don't have a job. I can't give you lunch money. And he says, Norval Hayes, can you please help me? It feels so bad when I tell my kids I don't have any money. Can I help you, Norval Hayes asked. Yes, I can help you. He said, but you've got to listen to me and you've got to do what the word says. He said, your whole world is framed by your words and you've been saying, I'm broken, I can't get a job. And you're saying, I don't have money for my children and I can't afford money and I can't afford lunch. He said, you're not talking right. He said, you better start saying, big corporations, I'm talking to you and I command you in Jesus' name to call me and to give me a job. He said, now you listen to me and, let, and listen to me and tell, when I tell you that every morning I want you to get up and I want you to worship the Lord without shame. Before you ask the Lord for anything, I want you to worship the Lord. Before you start believing God to work on your behalf, I want you to start spending time worshiping the Lord and worshiping Him out of your mouth every day. And he said, okay. So this man who was broke in debt, had no money, no job for two years, said he would. Well, a few years later, Norval Hayes came back to Hawaii, and there he saw the same man. And the man told him, he said, you know what, Norval, I never forgot what you told me. Years ago, you told me to worship God every morning and to praise Him in order for my circumstances to change. He said, my wife and I began to get together, and we worshiped the, the Lord every morning without shame. And after we worshiped the Lord every morning, then we would say, big corporations, you call me and you give me job in Jesus' name. He said him and his wife did this for four months. Nothing happened, but they didn't give up. And on the fifth month, he got off his knees one morning after worshiping the Lord and the telephone rang. And it was a man from a big corporation and he said, something has happened and we need to get extra workers and we've got a contract here. We'll give you $80,000 if you'll work your machines for a six-week contract. Well, he signed the six-week contract and he said he kept on worshiping the Lord. And as he was worshiping the Lord in the second six weeks, they phoned him again and said, we've got another contract for you for another 80000 if you'll bring your machinery and work it for another six weeks. He said before that contract was up, he just kept on getting more and more jobs. But he said, he said, I, the man said, I bow before God every day. I know God is my source. You see, family, our family is not our source. Our church is not our source. Our government is not our source. 
Our job is not our source. Our salary is not our source. God is our source. And he said, after worshiping the Lord, after five months, I paid off all my debts and I'm debt free. And he said, now I was able, this was more than 15 years ago, I was able to tithe $65,000 to a church in one year because of worshiping the Lord. So worshiping the Lord opens the door to supernatural blessings, supernatural breakthroughs, supernatural provision, and supernatural favor. So bless the Lord, praise his name. He wants you to have an abundant year in 2024. God has got so much more in store for us. But we need to put God first, first things first. Family, when we worship God in private, he will reward us openly. So we're going to activate the key of David by praising and worshiping the Lord. Revelations 4, 8 says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who was and is and is to come. Well, I love the question that Reverend Dr. Shadrach Lockridge asked, and he said, I wonder, do you know my king? Because he's the king of righteousness, he's the king of ages, he's the king of heaven, he's the king of glory, he's the king of kings, and he's the Lord of lords, now that's my king. He's God's son, he's a sinner savior, he's unparalleled, he's unprecedented, he is the supreme, he's a miracle of the age. Well, uh, he's the only one who's able to supply all our needs. He supplies strength to the weak, he's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He heals the sick and he cleanses the leper. He forgives the sinner. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the ages. He rewards the diligent. I'm wondering today, do you know him? Because we're going to praise him because his promises are sure. His love is matchless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. Well, I wish I could describe him to you, but he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. The heavens of heavens cannot contain him, and man cannot explain him. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. The Pharisees couldn't stand him, and they couldn't help him. Pilate couldn't find fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. The grave couldn't hold him. I'm talking about Jesus, our King of Kings. He always was, always has been. He always was. I'm talking about Jesus. He has no predecessor. He has no successor. He is, well, there was no one before him. There'll be nobody after him. You cannot impeach him. You cannot fire him. He's not going to resign because that's our King. Jesus, and we will forever sing, Thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. We are going to walk through the door of 2024, praising our Lord, praising our Savior, because Jesus has more in store for you in 2024. 24. God bless you. Hallelujah. Amen.